This podcast is for general educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered medical, practice management, legal, investment, or other professional advice. No one should act or refrain from acting based on this podcast without obtaining appropriate professional advice. Prior to the the screening, so prior to that appointment, it is crucial to call to check in. Uh, There might be things that, you know, as we get closer uh, to to any procedure that we might get anxious, right? I get anxious when I have a surgery, I have, you know, to get a test. Um, there's a lot of things that, you know, might get, might get in the way. Childcare, um, it could be that I'm just not feeling well because I'm anxious. So having someone there to check in, it's really, really helpful and important. Um, I would highlight that for the last 13 years, uh, the no-show rate for Project Access has been 2 to 3%. And that is because of that uh, very high-touch care coordination. So really checking in, calling before and after every single appointment. Welcome to Gastro Broadcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Matthew. Today, we are pleased to welcome Giselle Carlotta McDonald. She is the Executive Director of Project Access New Haven, which employs community health workers to address colorectal cancer screening disparities among Connecticut residents, particularly in African-American and Latino communities. Giselle, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome to Gastro Broadcast. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Matthew. We always like to start by getting to know our guests. When did you decide you wanted to work in community health? Tell us a little bit about your pathway. Sure, thank you. I, um, you know, as, as I think back, I, I was exposed to um, the medical field and helping others at a very, very young age. I'm actually the daughter of a psychologist. And I remember, you know, watching my mom helping others and going to the hospital with her. And, um, you know, I always thought like that, you know, how cool it was to help others. And I kind of wanted to follow my mom. And um, and fast forward to many, many years after I, I did study psychology and um, I, I still feel my calling is to serve, to serve the community, to, to serve um, others. And I was working in a public school in, in New Haven in Connecticut. And I started to really work with community members and families and parents of children uh, from minority populations. And I started to hear the stories of um, all the different barriers with access to care. And I, and I became very curious uh, of why it was happening, all those gaps and the barriers. And um, I was very lucky um, after a few years of working in, in, in the school systems to find uh, to connect with the patient navigation role um, uh, many moons ago, and and I uh, since then that has been my my passion of of you know being of service to the community in in any way possible. That's incredible. And can you tell us more about Project Access New Haven? Yeah, so we were founded in 2009 uh, by local providers that wanted to address the gaps that they were seeing locally in the Greater New Haven area in Connecticut. Um, and they uh, first they, st- they started with, with looking at what those gaps were. And what they found was that in this area, access to specialty care was a challenge uh, for those mem- uh, individuals and members that were uninsured and un- uninsurable or underinsured. So this was prior to the Affordable Care Act. And they wanted to address that gap that they were seeing when uh, someone had access to uh, primary care, but when it came to specialty care, they were more, 
were more likely to either have to delay care and they would end up with poor health outcomes and end up in the emergency departments. Um, so that's uh, the, the, the basics of why we were founded. Um, and since then, we have expanded. So we our mission is to increase access to medical care and services for underserved and uninsured patients in the greater New Haven area. Um, and we have expanded from that core program of addressing access to specialty care in a timely manner uh, to now also having not only patient navigators that address the clinical needs, but also having community health workers that support with social determinants of health needs. Um, and the model, uh, which you know, it, I always found it interesting, uh, it's actually a model that started in 1996 in Asheville, North Carolina, which is uh, a volunteer uh, model of care coordination. So we are coordinating and donated care for patients that don't have access to, to care. Um, and the, the core service is, is that uh, team of patient navigators and community health workers that support the patients in need. And according to the CDC in Connecticut, colorectal cancer is the fourth most diagnosed cancer in men and women, and it's the fifth deadliest type of cancer. Can you tell me more about this screening colonoscopy navigation program and how Project Access is working to increase screening rates, particularly for colorectal cancer screening? Yes. So I, um, I'll share about, uh, so we, we learned so much for that core program, the specialty care program. We were addressing uh, urgent specialty care needs, but uh, thanks to one of our co-founders, Dr. Sula Gar, she's actually a gastroenterologist, uh, we learn of the need of access to spe- not only uh, specialty care, but also screening colonoscopies. And um, a few uh, few years ago, we started a, a screening colonoscopy program uh, with the support of patient navigators in partnership with uh, providers in the community, gastroenterologists, primary care physicians, um, and also Yoni Haven Hospital that actually donates the services for these patients in need of screening colonoscopy. So it's this network of uh, collaborations and partnerships that all came together to address the need uh, of screening colonoscopies for the uninsured and underserved population. Um, And what we do, what the patient navigators focus on is coordinating that care, so helping the patients with scheduling appointments. Uh, We call patients after every uh, screening colonoscopy uh, to make sure that they have the right information, that they have all the prep and they understand all the the steps that they need to take. Uh, We also help them get the prescriptions. We help them with transportation, if that's a barrier, Um, and really also address any questions that they may have. Um, And the patient navigator uh, also works with the clinical team if there's any concerns or any questions that the patients may have. Uh, So it's that connection from uh, the primary care, the providers, the hospital, and the patient navigator is connecting and working with all of them, including the patient. I mean, it it strikes me that you're very um, aware of barriers that are uh, particular to your community, but many of those barriers that you mentioned are really universal, right? Those can be challenges for any patient to access healthcare, um, and it's really important, I think, for providers and health systems to think beyond just the medical um, experience and think more about those other social factors that play into health. And I guess along those lines, part of your work does include making systemic changes to how patients are referred for cancer screenings and when advisable genetic testing. 
Can you tell me more about your view on the barriers that people face in accessing care and what you're doing to remove some of those barriers? I I would say the first barrier, which is, you know, the, the number one in, in my top list of priorities is what should change and you know what we see is that insurance right so lack of insurance and um someone that is uninsurable that they they don't qualify for any insurance uh really really will struggle um unless there's there's programs available through the hospitals the, the federal clinics uh it's really really hard for someone to access care in in this country without insurance so that's that i would say that's the biggest barrier and i know different states are doing uh you know trying to expand different coverage and um but really that that insurance it, it is a factor and that could deter someone from even um, getting a screening uh that they need um, and, you know, or delaying because of, you know, financial needs or, you know, not having, not being able to pay out of pocket for, for a test. Um, and other, you know, it's really, there's so many layers. I, I usually call it the, the peeling the onions. There's so many layers to the needs when we talk about, like you mentioned, the social uh, barriers. And that could look very different patient to patient. But there are some things that are very similar in the populations that we serve from that insurance, the transportation, language barriers. Um, and also, you know, one, one thing that we, we, we always highlight when it comes to, for example, a colonoscopy screening is that the impact that that would have in an individual that has to choose between going to work or taking two days uh, because it's more than one day, right? Like you have to prep for a colonoscopy and what that impact could have in that household, not only the individual, but the household, um, also the, the support that the individual has. So it, it is definitely uh, not one, but many uh areas that that we should all pay attention to and see you know starting from the insurance it's that's something that um, there's some changes that could be put in place to at least cover those screenings that are so so crucial for prevention and Chisel, i mean clearly you're doing some really impressive work is there an example or a particular patient that really stands out for you um, where you felt the impact of what you do Oh, there's so many to choose from. Um, so, so many stories. I um, one that the first one that comes to mind is a patient that I actually navigated when I was a patient navigator, and um, she was a immigrant to this country. She was going through breast cancer. She was one of the first uh, patients that uh, you know from when the program was founded that we were navigating for cancer. And in her case, um, she didn't have a lot of support. She she did have family, uh, but she uh, she didn't. Her support system was back home in her country. Um, and through that navigation, I learned so much of all the different barriers from um, all the social needs, the emotional support, um, and also the support that her family, uh, her husband, her her child needed in order to support her um, in all the social barriers that were getting in the way. Um, she, she was with us at Project Access for many years, um, and seeing her going through all the different appointments and uh, not only 
my role was not only to navigate that clinical appointment, but also to support her through the appointments and all the social barriers uh, that she was experiencing. Um, unfortunately, she passed away. So that that's always a reminder to me and, and my team and the board that we are um, supporting patients um, in, you know, and really like having urgent medical needs. Um, so it's always a reminder of, uh, you know, the humbling experience of being with someone in need. Um, and for, for us, it's an honor to, to, to be there for someone that doesn't have to support. Um, we have a lot of happy endings, right? Like we have, we have a lot of stories of patients that have done really well, that have had surgeries that couldn't afford, um, and all the services were donated and are doing amazing. Uh, but I think the highlight of the story of, of the patient with the breast cancer, to me, it reminds me of uh, even when someone passes away because of that urgent need, it, that it is an honor. And it's, um, you know, being there in someone's life to support them through that time. It's, it's really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm really interested to hear more about what advice you would give to physicians in independent practices like myself, like our listeners, who would really like to improve screening rates in our communities. I will start with first thanking all the providers. I know, uh, you know, it's it's uh, time is of an essence, right? Like I know appointments are usually uh, not more than 15 minutes sometimes. Uh, really, there's not a lot of time sometimes in a medical appointment or in the clinical setting uh, to take the time to understand the, the patient's needs at a personal, you know, patient center level. Uh, but I would recommend really looking at what are things that could come in the way um, in order to make sure that that patient gets to that screening appointment or, or that next step or follow-up appointment? And that will look very different to each patient. So asking some personal questions about, you know, how can I help? Are there questions that you may have? And, um, and it you know, it could be not only information, it could be that the, the patient is afraid to ask, that they they actually don't understand the language that is of how the information is, is being, being provided. Uh, we have seen patients do that. They don't read and write and they are given great information and, in, you know, pamphlets and flyers. And when we meet with them, they're really embarrassed to share that they actually cannot read the information and they would ask a patient navigator and community health worker to help them understand the information. So really asking some additional questions to understand if, if what we, you know, in the clinical setting we're providing, it's enough. Um, and if there's things that we can do, uh, maybe connecting them with social work, if that's available, or if, you know, if the practice does have a care coordinator or patient navigator or a CHW that can really take the time to have that conversation um, and also follow up with the patient after the visit to see if there's any questions after, if there's any concerns, um, and really continue to have a conversation. Not, you know, not only what happens at the clinic visit, but what happens after is really important. Um, and there's things that usually comes you know, questions and things that come up after that visit that you want to make sure that you're checking in, following up. Um, and then prior to it, the, the screening, so prior to that appointment, it is crucial to call to check in. Uh, there might be things that 
you know, as we get closer the, uh, to, a, to any procedure that we might get anxious, right? I get anxious when I have a surgery, I have, you know, to get a test. Um, there's a lot of things that, you know, might get, might get in the way, childcare. Um, it could be that I'm just not feeling well because I'm anxious. So having someone there to check in, it's really, really helpful and important. Um, I would highlight that for the last 13 years, uh, the no-show rate for Project Access has been 2 to 3%. And that is because of that uh, very high touch care coordination. So really checking in, calling before and after every single appointment. Um, I know that's very unique, but it's really taking the time. Um, and we know that providers don't have that time, right? So it's, it, it's that additional layer of care coordination that does make a difference for the patient and also for the providers. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Two to three percent no show rate is unheard of in our world. Um, I think that really speaks to what you were saying about remaining open and really listening to to the people who are trying to access care, so that you can help them navigate through some of those barriers. Um, that's impressive work. <laughs> and if if our interest if our listeners are interested in learning more about uh, Project Access, where would we direct them? please do visit us on our website. There's a lot of information, including patient testimonials. Uh, we are www.pa-nh.org. And also social media. We're very big on social media. Um, and what we do too is we share a lot of information, resources to the community, to providers. Um, we are on every platform from uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, uh, YouTube as well. We have videos too from providers, the co-founders as well. Um, and we, we do have, we, we have patient testimonials too that I will welcome others to see. And it, it's, you know, I, I would say that the effort really pays off because that patient experience and patient experience from the patient's perspective, but also from the providers and supporting um, all of those that are really trying to work together to, to help the patient. So uh, I, I would definitely, um, the website would be the, the best way to connect with us. Giselle, thank you so much for joining us today on Gastro Broadcast. I really appreciate your time. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Gastro Broadcast. Find new episodes through Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. For information about our hosts, guests, and supporters, visit gastrobroadcast.com. Produced by Steadfast Collaborative.